Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Early Line. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, and we are going to cock-a-doodle-do it, giving you everything you need to know in the world of sports, giving you the edge. That's what we do here on SportsGrid, so you can win a little bit of extra cash. I'm sure everybody could use it in these times. Hey, Kevin, we got a lot to discuss this week. It looks like we are starting to come back to sports. Are you feeling it, Kevin? Are you starting to feel that we're about to pop out on the other end of the tunnel? Yeah, I am. I, I really, I really think so. I think just from you know having the big fights this past weekend, um, a lot of the information that you and I had discussed on Monday pertaining mm-hmm. to uh, this NBA season and all of the different news. Even if it's oh, we're a month away, that's okay. As as long as I know you're right. a month away, um, like that's fine. Like I just and I think that's one of the biggest things is we're we're starting to get information that feels you know feels more solid. Even uh, in the in the MLB, they're they're starting to just. We're getting closer right. and closer, it feels like. And, you know, that's the first step. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last week we heard about the NBA, right? Facilities starting to open. We heard about the contours of what it could look like with an Eastern mm-hmm. and a Western Conference playoffs. We talked about that a little bit last week. In the NFL, we had the schedule being released, and we thought it was interesting that they didn't build in some of the flexibility, some of the contingencies that we thought. Things like the Rams and the Raiders and the Chargers having road games at the start, or maybe pushing back divisional matchups. They did not do that and a lot of people think that's a good sign thinking that the NFL may in fact start on time we've seen this in Major League Baseball as well the idea of the realigned divisions what this could look like being in your home stadiums and potentially regular season games happening in July with a spring training 2.0 happening in June and I know when it comes to baseball Kevin you saw a new study right starting to try to wrap their head around how big of an issue this may be what to do uh, if a player test positive and how likely it may be that a major league baseball player has coronavirus yeah they're trying to get a better sense of you know who has it who they can test and there was over five thousand people tested in a study uh for major league baseball 0.7 infection rate uh zero percent fatality rate which is about as you know good as you can hope for um some people though might tell you well that maybe that means the virus has not made its way through right. Major League Baseball circles. And I don't know if that, I mean, you know, we have to be honest. Like, I'm no scientist. I don't know that's if that's right. a pessimistic view or if that's the reality of the situation. But I think overall, you know, clearly Major League Baseball is doing everything that they can so that they can understand this virus and they want to get themselves underway. You know, there was some conversation about the potential for an 80 game season, right? Which, you know, what? And you, like, you might be like, man, like, that sounds so small, but that's, it's half a year. A lot of other leagues play 80 games, and, like, yeah, I understand relatively, like, you're cutting out half the season. But, look, it's, you know, it's it's, it's probably easier for them mathematically to figure out. It's just 50% sure. if we do, you know, 81 uh, games as opposed to 80-game season. And I think maybe one of the even bigger things that could be looming around, the, you know, the league right now, Dane, is some, some people are just wondering how far apart potentially uh, the players and the players, uh, you know, and the owners are. And because right. everybody right now is trying to figure out who's going to take the financial hit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, the the overall answer is everybody. So it's maybe more so 
who's taking the financial hit and how great how it's spread is around, it? right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to divide it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'd be a real shame to see strikes and lockouts during these times. But it, mm-hmm. I don't know. I almost wonder if it wouldn't be all that surprising, right? Like if you're players and it's like, I've already been home. You're asking me to take a, a risk potentially by going to yeah. uh, a bubble that you want. And you're trying to strong arm us with, you know, certain pay rates. No, we're not coming back. And then all of a sudden we're sitting here like, wow, baseball was looking like it was ready to go. But, you know, money conversations. And here we are with, you know, no, no games. Yeah. You know, I've been saying for a while that we can take our cue from other leagues in other countries as well, right? In the KBO, for example, we see them playing, we see it happen without fans, and we start to understand what that looks like. I'm reminded of European soccer, though, as well, where they mentioned, I think it was... in Italy, is it Syria A, their, mm-hmm. their big soccer league, they're having conversations about exactly that, how to share the pain, right? Mm-hmm. If they've lost, you know, whatever it is, 40% of their revenue, well, are the players taking that hit? Are the front offices and the owners taking that hit? How is that being spread around? I remember telling you, Kevin, last week that, you know, Major League Baseball, the players and the owners have already agreed that players will lose one one sixty second of their pay for mm. every game that's missed. So you just said it. Let's say they wind up playing an 81 game season, right? That would be half the season. It's already been agreed that the players would take half of their salaries if they play half of their seasons. Mm -hmm. But here's the catch. Now these games that are played, whether it's 80, whether it's 100, whether it's 120, they're not going to have fans there, right? So your normal game would generate whatever, X amount, when you have the concessions and you have the attendance and the TV revenues and all that stuff. But now a 2020 Major League Baseball game is going to be Y, not X. Because in Y, you know, there are no fans. You're not selling beer. You're not selling T-shirts. And so having the games, let's say 81, half, mm-hmm. it's not actually 50% of the revenue. So they're trying to figure out who is going to take that additional hit and, and share yeah. the pain. And it's going to be very interesting. The devil is in the details. And that's why I say, Kevin, these things probably have to be collectively bargained. Yeah, which is really hard to do a whole new CBA during right. – these times, and I think there will be fans out there because it's a lot of times the conversation are our fans want to take shots at the players. Oh, they don't care about us. Go out there and play. You should be lucky that you get the chance to play the game. Like, mm-hmm. listen, they're already, as you've mentioned here, taking a major hit from their salaries. And if you don't think that, you know, I mean, they went through a spring training, they ramped up all of their training to be prepared for that. If you don't think that they're training right now, if you don't think that they're going to have to go out there and still give it their all, like the 50% basically number that we're going to use here because they're losing 50% of their games is quite a, a jump. And I understand that, you know, we don't have gates now, right? Like there aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, droves of fans coming to these games and helping generate revenue and, and what have you. But when you talk about, you know, who that has to be on at the end of the day, one, yeah, Mike Trout, right, has a major contract, and Mike Trout can afford to lose a little bit sure. more. But what about the losing guy much 50% lower? Losing 50% of 20 million is a lot yeah. different than losing 50% of 300,000. Right, which is the case for lower-level players. And let's also realize, though, that Mike Trout's, you know, 50% is still far greater, or, or far sure. less, I should say, than those that sit up in the top of these boxes that are also – very likely. And they don't have to. Like, it's not like, oh, prove to me that you're, you know, that you mean it by going and uh, exposing yourself to coronavirus. I'm not saying that at all, right? But the, a lot of these owners are unlikely to make these trips because it's not necessary. 
for them to make these trips, right? And they're going to find ways to recoup value by, you know, the elite, you know, the there's certain buildings that are able to, you know, house these uh, players and for different network deals. I mean, if baseball were able to start tomorrow, like, mm. I don't, you know, they, the networks right there, like, if there's able to find any type of way to up the money because baseball will be high in demand. I mean, if they could, they'd have all, if it was, you know, 30 teams, 15 game slate, 15 games, every channel would be like, yes. Mm-hmm. And it'd be spread out between ESPN seven and Fox sports sure. eight. Like every single would want to carry a, a baseball game, no matter who is playing. So there's ways to re up revenue. And I think what happens a lot of times is they try and put all the onus on the players. And that's how we end up getting a, you know, the quote I believe was go to war during a time where we should all just trying to be like, come together and figure this out and get baseball back on its feet. Well, here's the thing. You know, we are now, we've been in this time for almost two months, Kevin. Right. And for a while there, everyone, you know, the tone of everything is we're all in this together. We got to stay safe. We got to wrap our arms around each other. We got to do whatever we can. And I get that. But that wears thin. Okay, Mm -hmm. and now and you're seeing this all over the country tensions around when to we we open tensions around wearing a mask or not. Now we got to start to get into the details of who's going to take this hit. And Mm -hmm. it's nice to be all kumbaya, but that ain't going to happen when we're now talking about millions of dollars. Right. So you say, oh, the networks will do this. Right. But the networks aren't going to pay more. They already have a contract. You know, they're not going to ask more for this content. The owners, you're saying, hey, they don't have to risk their lives to be on the field. And that's nice. But that's still no they're going to say there's still no reason why they should take, you know, a greater percentage of the hit. You know, so you can say these things and that may hold when we're in this, oh, my God, let's all rally around each other and, you know, unify to beat this virus time of late March of April. But Mm -hmm. now people are starting to realize all of the ripple effects of what's happening. Right. Everybody who thought it was cute to stand in line at the grocery store six feet apart are now stampeding. Right. Everyone who is like, yeah, Yeah. that's all right. We'll sing songs at seven o'clock for our healthcare workers are still are now. Now, like, oh, snap, how am I paying next run, next month's rent? You know, mm-hmm. so as this goes on and on and the kind of impact and pain becomes more clear and we see that impact and pain even after potentially sports return to your television screen, I think people are now more and more starting to think about the details of how these things happen. And, you know, Major League Baseball is not alone. The NBA is not alone. Uh, the NFL is not alone. NASCAR, it looks like, will be coming back this week at, at Darlington, I believe, May 17th. And they're going to condense races. You know, they're going to have to run like two or three races in a week. MLS is talking about coming back and also, you know, having two or three games in a week. And we don't mm. know what that does to competitive balance. We're starting to see that, like, you know, NFL camps. Or, or not camps, but facilities may open, right? And then you sure. hear Mike Tomlin, and everyone's like, yeah, this is amazing. But then you also hear Mike Tomlin coming out and saying, wait a second, all, all facilities should open at the same time. These should be simultaneous, because if some teams get to practice before others, we're now upsetting competitive balance, you know? So yep. everything sounds cute and, hum- and humble and happy until we start to dig into it and it starts you to know, happen, and yeah. people then realize the issues. Go ahead. No, and it's actually one of the few things that we didn't uh, hit on in our conversation yesterday pertaining to the information that came from the Players Association. The NBA uh, 
but was that they made a point, I believe it was Chris Paul on the phone call, to say, hey, uh, there are teams that are pressuring players to come back to the voluntary workouts. Right. And it goes exactly to your point right there, where it's like, hey, voluntary, if you guys can, if you feel safe, cool. And meanwhile, it's like, hey, listen, we better get back in the gym. You better be here right now. You better be putting it in. And no, like that's not – that's not what this was supposed to be. And Adam Silver, you know, said, I will speak to these teams. And if you continue to hear this, continue to reach out to me, because that is not what is supposed to be happening. But it is not as if those teams aren't aware. The word voluntary is very, very clear. We all right. know what the word voluntary means, right? But this is how, you know, we can still find ourselves in, in these situations. And I, and I think as well, right, the competitive balance thing, like there was a conversation mm-hmm. within that meeting about the idea of, Teams aren't allowed to use private jets to fly athletes to places that they can work out to maintain a competitive balance. And I guess that has to do with, you know, teams yeah. with more money and teams with less money. So, yeah, I think that it's a really good point, right? Like, overall, our sentiment at the top, you know, I agree. We're getting closer, but we're also introducing new layers uh, right. of this conversation. And when it comes to the cutthroat elements of business and money or the cutthroat elements of competition and getting that edge to you know, win the championship is going to be very, very interesting to see if we're all, you know, hugging each other. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin touring you around the world of sports. Cock a doodle doing it, getting you ready for the week ahead, what happened, and how to make some money off of it. Kevin, we're talking about all these sports that are getting ready to return. Mm-hmm. We're hearing about this. We're hearing about some of the details of their plan. Well, guess what? They're going to be following the UFC because the UFC did, in fact, fight over the weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, UFC 249. We'll get into some of the uh, you know, fights, some of the surprises, yeah. some of the things we did expect. But first, from a big picture level, Kevin, I got to tell you the truth. I was watching some of the card. I saw the prelims. I didn't see the main events live. I read up on them afterwards. Gotcha. But even in the prelims, which even had things like Cowboy versus Pettis and some mm-hmm. other big time fights, I didn't notice. I didn't notice that there were no fans. You know, I got to tell you the truth. The, I mean, yes, there would have been times where you would have heard them chanting or, 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 or cheering, and yes, in the introductions it would have happened. But honestly, in the five minutes of those rounds, whether it's three rounds or five rounds or whatever, when the action was actually happening, I didn't notice it that much. I was just happy to have live sports on air. Well, I think part of that, you know, some people were talking about this, is, uh, you know, maybe you're, you are a fan of the Ultimate Fighter, like the Ultimate yeah, Fighter yeah, the, seasons. Yeah, the reality show. Have. Right, and, like, I mean, watching them fight, you know, like, it's just an empty gym, and you're just right. watching guys fighting. So there's some weird precedent for something like this when it comes to watching these fights. Um, I will say, I think overall, like, I, it didn't raise it to the level that it would have been at. And I think that was shown sometimes throughout the card mm-hmm. that certain moments are all, like, they go to another level when you have that fan reaction. Is it? Is it... Does it become an unwatchable product? No, no. And I think in, when you are in the middle of it, as whether a fan or a better, and mm-hmm. you know your guy is either laying it in or you know or he's taking right. punches, the last thing on your mind is, 
man, the fans would help me get through that this reaction crazy is awesome. Four hundred now, but but if the reaction was there, sometimes you catch yourself like this is nuts. This is mm-hmm. this is this is amazing. It it adds it to another um you know kind of to another level when you get those fans there. Oh, but yeah, but ultimately, I mean, they were able to, you know, still pull the event off. Like, it, it wasn't, again, I think one of the big things here, here I go again, but, like, you know, sometimes you watch wrestling, right? I'm going to make wrestling connection also. <laughs> okay, good, then. So it's not just me. I think I think it applies, though. Like, wrestling without fans, we've seen how detrimental that can be to the product um, because they are so much a part of the show as it is. Um, but I think live sports, whether that be so far what we have of – KBO and the UFC, it like I'd love to see the fans there, but it does not make the product unwatchable, and that in of itself will drive eyes to it because we are now starving for live sports content. Yeah, you know what I think about comparing it to what I saw wrestling this week. Wrestling's doing a great job of using a more cinematic approach, mm. different camera angles, different audio elements, right? And I think other sports could take a cue from that. I think this is an opportunity for whether it's UFC or ultimately for basketball or baseball when they come back to think about what can they do more for the television product because people won't be there in attendance, right? I could see, could we put body cameras on the catcher? or on the umpire? Can we put another microphone on an outfielder, right? And they've toyed with things like that in spring training, in all-star games to have a player mic'd up. I think it'd be great to hear, you know, uh, the first base umpire mic'd up, right? Or have a camera angle, uh, you know, from uh, right underneath home plate, like we've seen before in things like the home run derby. I think the XFL really showed us the way of how we can use, you know, production elements to raise the quality of the product. And if there's no fans in the stands, that means everybody's watching from home. So what can they do to prioritize the viewing experience on television? You know, if there ain't no fans there, it's almost like you're just doing it in a soundstage anyway. So I really wonder, and I wonder if the UFC even, you know, could have had different camera angles, put something on the ref, you know, have some audio in the background. Um, other elements that could be added, and I think sports should consider that moving forward. Yeah, I th- and I think I think that that ultimately, like, one of the things is I made sure to watch the press conference from Dana White, and there's a number mm-hmm. of elements I think from that that we can pick apart. But pertaining specifically to what you're talking about here, um, he said, you know, so there again, they're going to be running fights again on Wednesday, and then uh, this coming Saturday, and he right. said we will be better Wednesday, and we'll be even better come Saturday, and they will learn what mm-hmm. works. And what doesn't work? Because ultimately, their goal here is not just a product. They want to put on the best product possible. So if they believe, like, okay, maybe we put do a body cam on the ref here, sure. Like, it, you know, okay, we we mic these guys up, and people know that there's yeah. going to be audio released after the fight, and we do a special showing of it on, right. you know, on a different network the next week yeah, with exactly. the fighter audio. Yeah, I, I I think that that is all applicable. Um, as we as we kind of you know. Go through the biggest storylines here, whether it be from things we can take away from a betting angle um, or just storylines overall. I think we would be um, remiss not to get into the fact that Jock Ray Sosa, you know, one of the fighters from this card, didn't fight because he had coronavirus and was tested by the UFC and tested positive. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is the case. Here's the thing, and we talked about this when we were playing out the NBA proposal, right? Mm -hmm. What happens when someone goes down? It seems like they get quarantined, but the show must go on, and that's what UFC 249 did. I wonder if the person who tested positive happened to be Ferguson, what would go down, right? Mm. Or if it happened to be Henry Cejudo, what would happen? But... Well, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, right? Instead, it was someone sort of uh, a lesser fighter, I guess, not the main event. And so oh, they were able to yeah. keep going on. Like, I think it will be different if it's the ninth man on the Indiana Pacers that goes down in the NBA sure. or if it's, you know, Jason Tatum that mm -hmm. tests positive. I think that will be a very big difference. But it is a good point. They're yeah. holding the event. Someone tested positive. They get quarantined and the event goes on i think there's also a kbo team that is struggling with that had a couple of players test positive but we can't have the stops and starts and that is another piece of the competitive balance that we're talking about not only um each team having the same amount of time as a ramp up to when we sure. you know put the ball in the air or tip off or tee off or drop the puck or kick off whatever it is but then mm -hmm. what happens when inevitably someone does you know, yeah. test positive for this virus. Kevin, let's get... Oh, go ahead. Okay. I just I just wanted to expand. I think the, you know, one of the points that Dana made is that between, you know, that Saturday until this coming Saturday, they're going to do over a thousand tests. And he okay. said, you know, look at the world. Someone testing positive is inevitable. And I said, okay, fair point. Um, but there, there's also just more questions for me that, that follow up and we'll see how these things play out. And it's, okay, they tested him positive. And, you know, Dana gave them a, a big, the, a big, big pat on the back from it saying like, we, you know, we tested him positive and we now can get him the help that he needs. And right. that's a good thing. Like overall, sure. why wouldn't we be happy about that? Um, yeah. The question that I have though, is were they able to successfully take that information and separate him from everyone else? Right. Apparently, the contact tracing backwards then. Yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, Jock Ray was aware that he was around people with coronavirus um, and still made this trip. And I believe the UFC was aware of that process while they still made the trip and had him come get tested. And that right there is a change that they need to be making. Oh, you were around people with coronavirus? Stay home, quarantine, period. Right. Like, that has to be the decision because then they could have potentially found a way to get Uriah Hall a different fight on this card. You know, there's question marks as to will these guys be paid uh, fully for not fighting? They should be. They mm. should be 100%. I don't think that we can say definitively that we know they will be. But I think that's one of the other big takeaways, I'll, I'll say, Dan, just for other leagues out there is, okay, they had a positive test. But, you know, did are they now still testing throughout? Were we mm -hmm. able to test other athletes that finished up on Saturday and are before they leave? And are we going to be able to come out of it and say, Jock Ray Souza had it and didn't even transmit it? We were able to quarantine that successfully. Right. It's, it's, it's another step to be proactive or to limit the spread as soon as you know that uh, someone does test positive. So these are all the kinds of details that we're, you know, we're blazing a trail here, right? And UFC is going first, and that's, you know, awesome for some reasons. We get to see live sports back on air, but they are going to confront some of these open questions like you're bringing up, right? Do they still get paid? Um, how, when you know, how do you get ahead of it to try to, uh, you know, 
mitigate or limit the spread that one player can have. And we'll see if Dana White says we're going to be better midweek, we're going to be better then next weekend, you know, what are those lessons? And then well, how can those lessons be spread and shared to the other leagues? You know, that's part of the reason, Kevin, why I say the NFL gets the luxury of being able to be okay. confident about these things or talk tough about these things. And you've just said it. UFC is learning. They're going to be better on Wednesday. They're going to be better next weekend. And they will. They mm -hmm. absolutely will. And then guess what? The NBA is going to realize off of some of the things UFC did. And the way they have protocols or regulations around this will be slightly better. And MLB is going to learn from this as well and further hone their policies and procedures to make it even safer or even better. And by the time the NFL comes back online, you know, when they need to gather or think about this, they'll have a list of all the lessons learned already from all the other sports. And I believe that is why they are able to kind of uh, be confident of what will happen four or five months from now because they know that in the interim, all these lessons learned will actually accumulate. Kevin, um, what else did you notice overall about UFC 249? I mean, it was a big-time card. It went long. Mm -hmm. We'll get into some of the matches, some of the main events yeah. on the other side of the break. But, you know, my biggest takeaway was – I was still all about it. What, what was your big takeaway? <laughs> so one of the questions we had coming into this is how the environment could play in. All of this, mm -hmm. you know, right where you and I are trying to figure out how the variants can all uh, yes. take part here. And we saw it like exact. We found out one of like a very exact thing. And it was that multiple fighters credited their win to Daniel Cormier, who was on commentary. Right. Because they were able to hear his to voice hear him. clear as day. Uh, yeah. It was Greg Hardy who, like, Cormier was like, he's not checking the leg. And then, Cormier, you know, Hardy started checking the leg. And actually right. might have really messed up to Castro's foot, which pretty much brought that fight to a halt. And Hardy was able to win uh, there out. And even uh, in the women's fight, um, I believe it was Esparza who Cormier was critiquing for not mixing up, you know, the strikes enough mm. and the takedown attempts. And she then did that, and she came away winning that fight. So I think right away we saw that. And even Cormier later on, in the event, uh, it was actually like, you know, Joe, they can hear us, Joe. Like, I think we got to try and be quiet because, like, never ever with the fans there That's in a true. big fight can they hear them. Now, yeah. I don't think that means that we can start to bet on, okay, well, which fighters do we think will take D D Daniel advice from the announcers? Right. That's not the thing to bet on. But I think we saw the environment play a part in a very, very big way in another piece of this. And I see we're coming up against the break, so we'll use it as a tease. But okay. I believe there was uh, another angle that we saw this play quite a big factor in. All right, well, we're going to get what that angle is. We're going to dive into some of the matches. And, you know, they can hear us. It's like me going to an old Montreal Expos games to heckle somebody. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we're talking about what happened over the weekend with UFC 249. First, on a big picture level, we were talking about it. Listen, the fans, you know, the oohs and ahs. And Kevin, when I watch a fight, whether it's boxing or UFC, when someone lands, you know, heavy, the entire room that I'm watching yeah. it in, everybody's like, oh, you know, something like that. <laughs> and it almost kind of drowns out the sound of the crowd doing the same exact thing. That's how I know uh, if someone really connected. Everybody I'm watching it with yeah. erupts yeah. kind of at the same time. So we talked about that. And we also, intriguingly, we talked about DC Cormier on commentary and mm -hmm. how some of the fighters actually could hear him in the empty arena. It was almost like they had another cut man in their corner. So that was absolutely very interesting and something that I think was unexpected. Everybody was thinking about the impact of fans, but not necessarily being able to hear commentary mm -hmm. and actually use it as advice like you said some fighters did greg hardy specifically yeah absolutely and one of the angles that um i kind of came away from this whole event right so now judging in the ufc can be shaky okay sure. it's uh, at the end of the okay. day you're asking right to give a winner based on an opinion right and mm -hmm. that's always going to be a tricky situation but it did feel that things were a little off balance with some of the judging throughout this card. Hmm. Um, in the Esparza-Waterson fight, I believe one judge had it 30-27 one way and another had it 30-27 the other way. Right. That sounds now, like I understand there was a couple of fights that were like 29-28, this guy, 29-28, sure. this guy, and 29-28 yeah. for the ultimate winner and split decision. Yes. I'm okay with that. And that's a part of fighting. But 30-27 right. one way and 30-27 another was almost really tough mm -hmm. and then you compound it with the split loss that Verdum got and right. you know it's one of those things where you know you know I'm, I, I was able you know I have I have you know people I'm watching the fights with I'm talking to people about the fights that Verdum decision tough the Cerrone decision again ultimately I saw people was, say I too. mean you know <laughs> Pettis you saw his face when that decision yeah. came out. I was like, oh, I won. He did. He like, reacted live like, hey, I'll take it. And if you've ever watched the UFC event before, there's a lot of times that people who've obviously lost fights stand there, hand mm -hmm. raised. I know I won. I know I won. They then are told they lost because, of course, they lost. So they go, what? The? And it's like, how did you think that? Right. So I thought, and it, it makes me wonder, right? Because one of the things that we saw as well was that you kind of were alluding to it there, right? Like punches landed. It all sounded louder. It, it was all extra. And I just, yeah. and I wonder if, if in any way the judge, I mean, of course, the judges had to be oddly thrown off by all of this. I wonder if they as well were hearing commentary talk about who they were giving the advantage to. And if, if in you know, an instant where Joe Rogan goes, oh, he slipped him right there. And maybe a ref was like, I don't know if, he, you know, or judge rather, right. was like, I don't know if he caught him right there. Right. And all of a sudden, like, it, it kind of can throw the game off. So I think for me, you know, as we will probably tomorrow, I guess, maybe get into the, to the Wednesday card uh, that will be coming up. I think mm -hmm. if I'm looking at a fight and I feel like it is a potential decision, I, I'm, I'm likely to be a bit more conservative and then my approach to that specific fight. Because right now, I mean, you never want it to be in the hands of the judges, but they're as well dealing with variants. And I don't even think that's anything that we ever uh, approach the idea of. No, that's a good point. I mean, if we're saying that the the fighters can hear Cormier and are going to apply that to their fight, you know, a ref is going to hear, you know, Rogan be like, oh, my God, this guy's in a lot of trouble right now. 
and him thinking, maybe this guy's in a lot of trouble right now, and I should score this round in a certain way. So I do think that's interesting. I was very intrigued, Kevin, by the Henry Cejudo-Dom Smith fight. Um, or excuse me, Dom Cruz, because, listen, Dom was coming off a four-year layoff, right? And, and you still thought he was going to have a tough time. Cejudo, though, gets the job done, and then, Kevin... He announces, deuces, I'm out, I'm retiring. I know you thought that was interesting, and specifically the officiating, the refing in that fight caused some concern for you. Yes, so, and, and you know, people who were able to watch our preview, like, I, I thought that Dominic Cruz would win this fight. Uh, this is far from a sour grapes thing. Now, maybe you might say Dominic Cruz is, but uh, he came out, and so, so basically for anybody that didn't watch, Henry Cejudo, Cruz goes for the punch, slips a beautiful knee, sends Cruz to the ground, and he hits Cruz with a couple of them. And they were certainly not, you know, shots that were, were heavily contested. But you can see, clear as day, he's beginning to get to his feet. By the way, with about two seconds left in the round. Now, ultimately, mm -hmm. that's not supposed to matter, but there was about two seconds in the round. But as you see, he's about to get to his feet, and Keith Peterson, the referee, stops the fight. And Dom Cruz is like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, instantly, like, there's no way you've just stopped this fight. And we've seen bad stoppage a thousand times in the UFC. We will see a thousand more bad stoppages where this is like, oh dear. Dominic Cruz had a, an interview with Megan O'Levy um, backstage where he said that, you know, Keith Peterson smelt like cigarettes and booze. And he was thinking before the fight got underway it's like, do we have the ability to, like, void refs? Like, do we have the ability to be like, no, switch my ref? I'm not, like, mm. I don't want this guy officiating my fight. I mean, you saw the post-fight interview where Cruz made a point to say that he explained to Peterson, let me take the shots that I need to take. Let me continue on. And obviously, right. anybody can say that pre-fight. Like, we don't know what's going to happen within the dance. Um, but that was ultimately very concerning and one of the points that was somewhat made now because you don't want to be accusatory of course but was in the pettis cerrone fight where cerrone was poked in his eye right and was like are you serious and they were like no and then they showed it and he was obviously poked in his eye oh, he was definitely poked in the eye the yeah. who missed that was peterson and mm. it was just one of those things where man like i, I can't have a ref like drunk and drunk. Now, listen, maybe the, the guy had a cigarette break. Like, I don't know if that's against the right, rules. Right, we don't like, know, and we're not going to, like, accuse people without yeah. evidence. We don't know, but it is but, interesting. Like, it was just one of those things that, that added a level of just uncertainty around the fight mm. that, like, you already were like, ooh, I don't know about that stoppage, and that's almost, you know, the only reason I even wanted to bring it up. In terms of Cejudo retiring, yeah. um, it's... It's wild, but it's not, right? I mean, this is a guy who's a, a double champ. Um, at, champ, yeah. Yeah, like at the, you know, kind of at the top of the sport. And for him to, you know, step away on top, it's always jarring. Um, you know, later on in the show, we probably will talk about the last dance. It's always jarring when people step away while they're at the top of their field. Um, but for Cejudo, when he was, you know, an Olympic gold medal athlete, right? You know, in wrestling, he stepped away at a very, very young age because it's, what he thought was right. And you're in this spot too, stepping away where people feel like he still has a lot more tread on those tires. It's just, you know, seemingly kind of in line with what he wants to do when it's, he believes it's time. It's time. I will say this for anybody that is questioning the validity of his decision to move away, whether you believe like he's actually going to or not. Um, Suhudo is 
arguably very underpaid when it mm. comes to his stature uh, or at least his accomplishments. Right. It has to do with the weight class. It's a weight class. Um, you know, it's why Demetrius Johnson fights for one fighting now, as opposed to still being in the UFC. Um, so some people think it's not that the big maybe, money division. Yeah, some people think maybe it's a negotiating tactic. Hmm. Um, but I don't know if that's one that Suhudo um, will win out on. But yeah, I, mean, I think Suhudo hangs it up, and in a very interesting decision to do so without the fans. Right, I guess that's true, right? So you can never get that final curtain call or quote unquote thank Although the fans. Although he's not a fan favorite, so I don't know. Well, Maybe it made it better for him. Still, you know, right? Like we talked about the Houston Astros not having to deal with fans this year, so you never know. Maybe it helped him because he didn't have to ha- handle the vitriol. But I think you make a good point, Kevin. A lot of times with these fighters or athletes in general, when they decide to walk away, or where. When they sign with a team that isn't a contender for more money, a lot of times us as fans try to tell them what we think they should do, right? Like they should fight until you got to rip the jersey off them. Or why would you want to sign down in San Diego, Manny Machado, when you can't win a championship? Mm -hmm. I don't care. If the man wants to live in his 20s as a millionaire in San Diego, so be it. You know, like, it's hard sometimes. We we put ourselves in the minds of these athletes as fans trying to think what, what they should do. Meanwhile, listen, if they think it's time to walk away or if that's what they want to do, this is it's their choice. It's their life. It's their career. So I understand that. Kevin, we also had a big time main event, Ferguson Vergethi. Yes. And and you know, Ferguson was a favorite coming in. It was trying to fight Khabib like five times. It didn't happen. <laughs> but now and now Justin Gaethy, who was the number four ranked uh guy in the division, yeah. gets the job done as I believe a plus one seventy underdog. Yeah. So I gotta ask you, what do you think of this fight? And more importantly, Who's up next for these guys? Is it guy like Connor? Is it Khabib? What's in the yeah. future for Justin Gaethje now? Yeah, so Justin Gaethje versus uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov is absolutely going to be that next fight. Uh, Gaethje was crowned the interim champion. You saw him, uh, Tetsuya Naito, that thing to the side. He is not going to wear that belt. He said, give me the real one. Uh, and that is exactly uh, what the na- that next fight will be. Uh, Tony Ferguson potentially could see Connor McGregor maybe. Connor, uh, right? Somewhat the winner of, a- of those two? Yeah, very, very, you know, kind of some some simple booking there. Could be a number one contenders uh, matchup, although maybe Tony Ferguson could need more time off than when Conor McGregor would be next ready. There's been rumors uh, he could be ready to go in June. Uh, so obviously that then would shake things up. I'll just say uh, a number of takeaways from this fight. I, man, it, it just feels so good to have fresh takeaways and even lessons learned. Right. You know, I was on the wrong side of this one. I thought that, that Tony would win. Um, one thing that stood out to me is we basically got to the point um, where this was viewed as a public versus sharp bet. And it was just almost amazing to see that uh, return. Like, you don't usually see that, I feel like, when it comes to the UFC. But, you know, this is what it had to do with, you know, people wanting to step up and bet this more. Um, and the sharp side comes in with Justin Gaethje. Now, I don't personally, um, you know, if you tell me you bet Gaethje because it was the sharp side, that's great. But that doesn't hold a ton of weight for me. I want to know then why the Sharps did it, right? Like, it's always great to follow money and follow leans and value. And one of the things that stood out to me here is it's a lesson learned, right? Um, the the sentiment that I offered you and many others who were on Tony Ferguson offered uh, is that Justin Gaethje was taking the fight on a short notice. And it short was notice, true right. from a point of Villain. training. But that was also lessened to a degree because it wasn't April 18th anymore. When Gaethje was going to fight him on like a two-week notice, it was now May 9th. Which allowed him obviously another three weeks of training. training. And Tony Ferguson, by the way, cut eight, cut cut weight, 
for April 18th because he's just he's a crazy dude and he did look maybe a touch slower. But here's the reality. They learned the same time that they were fighting each other. Like, hmm. it wasn't as if Tony was training before him. But Ferguson and, was mid-training camp already, right? Yes, he was. But the, the And Tony said it, and it's one of those, oh, my God, of course moments. Tony Ferguson that whole time had been trading for Khabib. And anybody that knows anything about Khabib, not a striker. In the hmm. slightest. You're spending old camp wrestling bears. On the Madden comes, stuff, right. And here comes Justin Gaethje in a world-class striker, and it completely tilts it. And that is the, the, the situation there where Tony's now having to try to completely redo everything he's been doing in his camp, and Gaethje's coming in clean-focused 100% on Tony Ferguson. We saw that play out a world-class performance from Gaethje. Got the job done, and him versus Khabib now uh, is as anticipated a fight as um, you know any potential fight that's out there in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, like you said, though, it was great to have fresh takes and takeaways from live sports, and the UFC will be right back at it multiple times this week. And guess what? We will continue to talk about DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back to the early line right here on Sports Grid. We keep on continuing to talk about what's happening in the world of sports, what may happen in the world of sports, what it will look like. But one thing is for sure, we had UFC 249 happen over the weekend. And Kevin, one of the other things we talked about, not only was there no fans, but everybody was watching the same way as in the NFL draft. Everybody was watching the same way as when the Arkansas Derby ran on the first Saturday in May. Everybody was watching. And you know what else? Everybody is betting on it as well, Kevin. UFC, you know, crushed their previous record of handle in some of these books. And it seems like they beat the previous record even without counting the bets on the main event. It was out of this world. Uh, DraftKings said that before the main event even got underway, I was around 9.30 that they had broke their record handle for a UFC event. And, you know, some people might say, oh, well, the main event was going to start. Like, how much more bets? No, no, no. For, for anybody maybe that is still foreign to the idea of betting UFC, it's all staggered start times. Uh, it's it's right. one after another. So, realistically, um, I would probably say, you know, you have to get a bet in for a fight, right, before the fight before it would close. So, there was probably betting up until – Around 12.30, I mean, there was still two to nearly three hours of wagering that was still going to take place after they had smashed the record. Right. And it shows that there is still a thirst for, you know, this is what people have to understand, right? I think for a very, very long time, the idea of gambling, betting on sports has a very dirty, negative uh, right. connotation on it. Everything's it is under different. the shadows, exactly. old men cigars at the racetrack, that kind of view of it. Yes, exactly. It is different now. Betting is synonymous with sports. You, you know, there is a reason why we here do what we do here at the sports grid. But it's not just the sports grid. I mean, uh, they, you know, if you use ESPN 
to go and look at the game, right, the little box that they'll show you, it shows you the spread and the total next to it. Right. Okay, this is the reality of the sports world, and it's, it's you know, piecing this puzzle together. If everybody is thirsty for sports, then the sports better is thirsty to gamble on sports. It is a part of what they do. And I think right now as we take, you know, the, the – you know, the view of the world, right, and the economy obviously right. is something that is taking a massive hit throughout all of this. And uh, it's, you know, from state to state to state. And, you know, we both know here in New York, right, you know, mm -hmm. we seem like we might be the last ones to open up. And I'm grateful for that. I want that to be the case. I want to make sure that we are as safe as possible. But New York is going to have to figure out ways to economically recover. And one of the things that's always been staring us in the face, right, is the fact that New Jersey has, like, I mean, I don't want right. to throw out a number, but a preposterous amount of their handle comes from New York. Yeah, New Yorkers going over the river on their lunch break just to set foot yeah. in Jersey to place a bet and then going right back out for the afternoon shift. Exactly. So now, you know, if you're New York, you might say to yourself, you know what? We need these things. Sports right. betting is about to become as prevalent as ever. Let's make this adjustment. And you might say, well, well, we want to open up a casino. You got time for that. This is what online betting exists for. Right. Don't worry about the, you know, three or four things that you have upstate. Let us get on the FanDuel Sportsbook app while sitting here, you know, in New York. I, I in Queens. And let us get after it the way that we've been wanting to. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, we talk about this as an economic policy. Right. We see what is happening already in New Jersey, the amount of revenue they are getting. And you're absolutely correct. A lot of that is from New York. You know, here's the deal, Kevin. Originally, when, you know, Governor Chris Christie kind of put this to the Supreme Court, yeah. the law argument was that Nevada had a monopoly on sports investing in this country. And the Supreme Court agreed. And that's what it was, okay, striking down this law that it was illegal federally and then turning it over to the states. It was because the state of Nevada had a monopoly. Like, everyone knew if you wanted to bet legally, you had to fly to Nevada and yeah. go to, you know, Vegas as outside of, say, the Native American reservations. And now, since Jersey has it, it's the same kind of thing, right? Jersey is taking the sports investment money from New Yorkers or people in the other neighboring states. And I see it as an economic policy as well. You say Governor Cuomo, who has done a lot out in front talking around coronavirus, yeah, there's going to be a big-time hit to the revenue of the state. Mm -hmm. And right now, in New York, you are able to gamble, but only in brick-and-mortar casinos. Many of them are upstate on Native American reservations and things of that nature. So to your point, Kevin, bringing it on the mobile phone and being able to do it through the app that way yeah. instead of being you know, set foot in a casino – could be a way to get some revenue generated for these states. I agree with you. I think when everyone's down and everyone wants to bet, allowing mm -hmm. it to happen could be economic policy. It happens in other ways, though, too. Kevin, you know, DraftKings, as a stock, had their initial public offering about in the month of April, mm -hmm. and it has skyrocketed, okay? It is up a good 25 30% only in the last, like, three weeks, this being the DraftKings stock. And guess what? If their stock is climbing and exploding when people are betting on things like Belarusian soccer and only the ponies, then what do you think this is going to happen? What do you think the appetite for this is going to be when sports fully come back? And then when, you know, DraftKings or any of these apps or any of these other gaming sites 
they're going to keep doing money and their stock, DraftKings, is going to continue to climb. You know, it just seems like a lot of people are getting hip to the fact that sports investing is here, it's here to stay, and that it's a huge revenue generator. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and just think about, like, at the end of the day, whether people are going to still want to bet on these events, right? Because some people might say, oh, well, we talk about the economy being hurt. Like, who has the money to bet on this? Well, listen, okay? You have, you know, people who are not disposable income, but people who still have enough money to, you know, spend on certain things, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going to be able to, to, to spend that how they want. You also have people who make actual livings, like off of betting. Like that is yep. that is what they do. The it is, sports it is investor, a, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's a part of their monthly There's portfolio. There's day traders in the stock market, Kevin. Yes. You know what I mean? This is 100%. the same thing. People using numbers, using trends, using information yeah. to try to get ahead of it, to try to make the right you know, plays or gambles or investments exactly. to make money out of it. Absolutely. It's the same thing. Yeah. And the, one of the other things that is likely was probably unaccounted for, right? But – you know, do you ever watch a college basketball game, like a lowly college basketball game? You're like, yeah, you know, what? let me grab a little action on this, make this, make this game interesting. Well, that's what's kind of happening now for the sports world as a whole, right? Maybe you, you and I, right? Like, I, I want to watch the UFC. I, I, you know, I'm watching that card, wagering or not, whether it's the only game in town or not. I'm watching that card. Period. And that's not true for everybody else. But now they need live sports. Everybody's talking about it, by the way. Everybody's talking about it. I might as well tune in. I need a little skin in the game, though. As much as I'm told I'm supposed to be excited for, you know, Nico Price and Vincente Luque, which, by the way, was a banger of a fight, let me get a little money down. Let me tune into the grid. Let me get some winners. Oh, and let me now enjoy the show to a whole nother level. And that's clearly what happened. Again, you can't stress this enough, right? It Like, them breaking their record handle on a stacked fight card in a pandemic is predictable. Them doing it before 10 o'clock, that's out of it. That's out of, that right. is, that is out of control, man. Like, it is so clearly there. I mean, imagine the handle. If the first baseball game back, if baseball oh, yeah. really, really wanted to puff their chest up, said, no, 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 no. First game back, Yankees match, only game on. The sports books won't know what to do with themselves. That's true. There's going to be so many people betting the over-under on Garrett Cole strikeout prop. Over. No, I think you're right, Kevin. I mean, we've always known this, right? It's it's obvious that people care more when they have a stake in it. We know yeah. that already. That's why gambling has been around for years, right? But also when you combine this aspect that it's the only game in town and we're sheltered in place and quarantine and hungry for that entertainment, it becomes a perfect storm for the books and for some of these websites, some of these companies that are out there to take advantage. So let me tell you something else. In this line of thinking, okay, Something else that's going to be the only game in town later on in the month of May is Tiger versus Phil, right? Mm. We did that. I think it was over Thanksgiving weekend at the beginning, and Phil won by a hole or two, a stroke or two, what have you. And they're going to do it again, right? Same theory. Kevin, it's the only game in town. Of course people are going to watch. We've been watching ridiculous stuff like athletes play video games. We've been watching ridiculous stuff like things that should be on the Ocho. You know, I saw cornhole championships last night, right? That's why the NFL draft got such a big number. That's why UFC is doing so big. People that don't care about UFC were like, let me give this a shot. So if you can get in on the ground floor, whether it's in sports investing, whether it's the DraftKings stock, know that these things are going up. But let's talk about yeah. – oh, God. 
No, I was going to add, though, I mean, you know, we're about to expand on it with the the reason why that is going to do great numbers is throughout this whole process. We have not seen famous athletes like world famous athletes compete. We just haven't. Okay, like the closest we got is Mike Conley and Trey Young in a horse competition. That's the closest we've got. You know, well, Ferguson, UFC, right here. Yeah. Yeah, right. And as much as I like Tony Ferguson, right? Sure. And I appreciate the effort. And I mean, it was an incredible fight, right? And he's probably got a ton of new fans, both him and Justin Gaethje. Let's be honest. We're talking about Not Tom sure. Brady, Peyton yeah. Manning, Tiger, Tiger Woods, yeah. Bill Nicholson. I mean, we are talking about four famous athletes competing. It doesn't matter if they're playing golf, darts, football, swimming, it's going to draw. It definitely will, and these this is going to be happening on May 24th, okay? It's going to be in Florida. Remember, one of those states that can be kind of more opened up or they've relaxed the, some of the regulations, right? And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's kind of like March Madness. This is going to be on TNT. This is also going to be on TBS. This is also going to be on True TV. True TV getting that sports content that they missed out on on March, right? And the trash talk will be going on, but... I think it speaks to another kind of like contrived event that we're putting out there and, you know, money's going to go to charity and that makes sense, right? For research around coronavirus, it makes complete sense to me. It has sponsors, Capital One, but it speaks to this point that if they are the only game in town, the sports fans are hungry for it. And this idea of sports betting, sports investing has kind of come out of the shadows. This is not like a crazy mob ring that's doing it. It's your grandma. You know, it's your neighbor that's doing it. We see it in Europe. We see terminals for William Hill literally like next to every ATM machine. So when you combine these things that it's, you know, becoming less taboo and Mm -hmm. the fact that we when we're you know, sheltered at in place and at home, we are craving this and it adds excitement. Yeah. Again, Kevin, you got the perfect storm in place. And if you can take any advantage of it now, because we ain't putting the toothpaste back in the tube, okay? <laughs> get out of it, get an account, get investing, listen to sports grid, and you know, get the edge, right, Kev? No, one hundred percent. And and I'm excited for it. Like I'm not even I'm not, you know, particularly a big golf fan, but I mean you no I will guarantee you I will be watching this right. and you know, if, if they're going to be throwing us lines, I'm excited to kind of take a look at it and see if we've got an edge. People were watching rounds four through seven of the NFL draft like never before. You know what I mean? And so it is absolutely all relative. When we come back, it's hour number two. We reset some of the headlines and we look at the NFL. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 